so long so it's been so long i was saying this to alex during our high life episode which i think will come out before this maybe not maybe after but in any case around the same circumference but we're back yeah it's lovely to to be here with you guys again Jeez. either way we're we're fully back the three of us so this is like the the full return the The first one was full return was it the light like grand opening i forgot what those are called the return of the king Soft of the opening. internet. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. We're the kings of the internet at this point. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, well, I mean, also we got we reached 100 subs. It's a small thing, yeah. but you know what? For us, we started this as complete nobodies, and it was awesome for us. Now we're complete nobodies plus one. If, <laughs> if we're, <laughs> I mean, if we're, um. Plus I don't know. Nobody's. I just wanted to say thank you to you guys out there listening to us. It's a, uh, it's rad, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you found something else to do, like hopefully watch all the movies that we've reviewed while we were on our little break. But oh no, they watch all of them right before they listen to the episodes, right? Right, everybody? Yeah, watch our entire backlog of videos. Hmm. John repeat. That's why they have so many views. <laughs> People are just watching Man on Fire on repeat over and over again. And then listen and get angry when we trash it <coughs> again and again. I don't know if it's the algorithm, algorithm at work, but I see lots of like pro Man on Fire articles on Twitter now. <laughs> where it's like, why is Man on Fire considered the best uh, action movie of the early 2000s and I was like oh damn oh, alright no. hmm. maybe it's cause you clicked on our video I don't know it's weird how that tends to happen though even when you don't feel like you've been like researching something Dude. it's just like something in your life is, is just somewhere in there and you're like oh all of a sudden I see 10 million videos about you're it you're on a random list somewhere where they're just trying to sway your opinion now but yeah I mean yeah. I'm of the opinion that it's still fun to watch but that's even more that would be even more fucking insane if they were like whoa we listened in and this guy actually thinks it's still a good movie so we're gonna suggest it to him yeah i don't know i enjoyed that one it's it's like i thought it was bad but like i said in the episode i was like i want you to help me figure out a mystery the mystery is why i kind of like this movie even though i don't think it's good (laughs) just something alluring about it we haven't recorded in a in a in a month now, I believe. Yeah. Um, haven't had any content out for two weeks, but it'll soon change. Hopefully, uh, stick back with it now. Yeah. yeah. A little hiatus and back to a routine and schedule. I've been sitting on. I mean, I've been sitting on my next pick for so long. I've watched. I know you're you're ready times. to talk about that cage, man. Yep. You're all stoked. You've been watching it every night before bed with your footy jam jams on. Yeah. Getting ready to get gone in 60 seconds. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Is that that's the one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bungle it. I'm so excited. I'm say the name of the wrong Nick Cage film. Like, Mandy. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch that movie. I haven't seen it Yeah, so I don't, I've never seen it. If I have, I don't remember it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today... We're talking about the crow, baby. Fire it up. 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 That's that tracks for the real weirdos. That level of energy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, baby, we got smokes. We got road beers. We're here to talk about the crow. <laughs> Let me pull it up on IMDb because I'm really professional. <laughs> the White Crow. What's that movie with Ray Fiennes? That's not the one. Probably more artistic than this one um hey this is the pinnacle of artisanship my friend brutusanship (laughs) brutusanship yeah 1994 film by director alex proyas alex um another alex director of dark city and nothing else that was good (laughs) i believe wait no fucking way 
Okay. Yeah, he did Dark City. That makes perfect sense. And then he made, let's see, he did iRobot, the Will Smith film. Hey, oh, I'll be I honest, I don't, I I don't remember that. It's just, okay. it's just it's just 75% horrible. Okay, I'll take your word for it. He did a film called Knowing in 2009, which I have not seen. Is that the one with Nicolas Cage? Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's like yeah, some apocalyptic fucking Nick Cage shit. just gets around, man. He's like he's like actor herpes. He <laughs> just spreads from director oh. to director, and like sometimes it's not bad, and you're like, oh, I just got a minor Nick Cage flare up, and then sometimes <laughs> so you, get bad, you get Ghost Rider, and you know then it's, it's a major flare up, and like no one wants to get near you for a while. No. And then it's like, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Get your pigs and your mandies. He's done some good stuff recently, but we're not here to talk about Cage. It's <laughs> <laughs> so easy to dovetail into Cage talk. Because he's like, it's like, it's you know how there's the six degrees of separation for Kevin Bacon or whatever it is? Yeah. It's like two degrees for Cage, like no matter where you're where you're like operating from. It's true. Um, but Proyas' latest one was Gods of Egypt, which was an unmitigated disaster. Never even heard of it. Yeah, uh, he got really angry that nobody liked his film. Mm. I remember that, and then he hasn't made one since. Straight Uwe Boll move. Yeah, he got a little Uwe with it. He got a little defensive. Hmm, that's interesting. I thought he was starting a Dark City TV show, but I guess I invented that. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about The Crow. Scroll. The Crow from 94 Scroll. with Brandon Lee. And this is a movie where I don't know or care if it's good. I love every frame of it <laughs> because it's one of those movies for me, like s- similar to Donnie Darko. Although I think Donnie Darko is a more like probably a genuinely more good movie. But but I think The Crow is good, too. Um, I don't know. I, I want to get your guys thoughts, though. I mean, this is a childhood film for me. But but Jeff, <laughs> what do you feel about The Crow? How was it to revisit it? Uh, it was fun. I mean, Crow was a, a also, I mean, surprise, surprise, someone who chose John, Johnny Darko. Donnie Dar- Johnny Darko. <laughs> yeah, we're back, baby. Uh, Old Donald Darkinson. Uh, someone who chose Donnie Darko. The Crow is also in my heavy rotation of repeated movies as a young, broody child. And it was a film that I loved very much. I uh, was the crow for Halloween? Uh, multiple nice. Times. I want to see pictures of that. Uh, wow. I, I don't know if they exist. I was the well, crow for Halloween find multiple, t- multiple times, like multiple years in a row. Oh my. Uh, yeah, it was. It's a movie I love very much. Uh, it's has its degree of camp to it, but I think that's fully adds to its charm, and I think we'll get there and address it. The story is a bit of a mess. But uh, <laughs> but it's also what are you talking about? It's also like it, this movie holds this singular tone of melancholy throughout it because you just kind of know the history of it now, like so you know like the history of Brandon Lee and now the details of the film and so now it, as an adult, whereas in a kid I didn't quite understand. I was like, oh, the actor he passed away, but like knowing Bruce Lee and how he passed and. And Brandon Lee, it's like, this movie just holds that little bit of sadness to it, a little note of sadness. Yeah, Yeah, Brandon Lee is definitely a specter over this film, like uh, in his performance and otherwise, for obvious reasons. He was killed during production in in an accident with a gun. But before we get into all that, Alex, were you the crow for Halloween? The world needs to know. (laughs) No, I was not. Because I was. I was not. If all three of us were, oh man, we could have found the photos. Damn. Posted all three. I was not the crow for Halloween because letting us down because it was too cool. I had barely kids were doing. I had barely watched this movie when I was a kid. I knew and had friends that their whole life identity is built around this movie. I don't mean that in a negative way. They were also kids that I hung out with because they were really into movies and like could tolerate levels of camp like I could. Right. So that film was always something that they watched or they had like shirts or posters or shit of and I was like okay but I never got around to really watching it especially never got around to watching it like seriously so Mm -hmm. I watched it 
almost like for the first time, really, because I had seen glimpses of glimpses of it here and there, but almost for the oh, first nice. time. I'm glad we'll get a different podcast. sort of opinion here. And it's hard, right? Because obviously, I'm not gonna go all in on the coolness at the age of 30 like I would if I was <laughs> right. a little younger. Seeing this like ridiculous corny movie for the first time yeah, so at the, age 30. The camp definitely rode the edge for me, but I liked it. And I can see why I you can like obviously see why this movie became a cult classic, right? Like the villains in it were perfect. We'll get to like the top dollar guy and everything and like the costumes and like even the set design. Like, it was all handmade, right? Like, the city shots and everything, it was, like, miniatures and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Very, very obviously so now. Exactly, look but at it. that was cool. And so, that, I, I don't know. I can see why this movie grew into itself. And, like, it seeped into just pop culture. Everyone knows this movie. They make references to it. The fact that you guys dressed up as it for Halloween is hilarious because I'm sure the people <laughs> who have seen south park <laughs> we'll know what i'm talking about but yeah i don't know it's just this movie's cool but definitely every single time brandon lee is on screen you're like whoa that guy got shot that's crazy and you're also thinking whoa he's the son of bruce lee you know so the movie is definitely a legend in it in of, it, of itself so I, I liked it though but it's it's definitely campy so if you're watching it for the first <laughs> time at this age like you might not get caught up in the thrill of it. What, what do you mean campy? Where's this coming from? <laughs> he goes up to the roof on top and plays a guitar with his makeup on. God <laughs> damn you, you Jesse. I really about? wanted to be the one to mention that. Fuck off. I actually oh, really I mean, like um, that Jeff, scene. tell us about the guitar on the rooftop. Well, that's okay. Dogs. Sorry. Right. They're part of the show now. Just, just, just come on. Just come back in. Dogs. No, is it that loud? Okay. It's that loud. Wow. Um, throw him, throw him a bone. Jeez. Well, yeah. I mean, we're just gonna assume everyone's seen this movie because it's the crow. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing listening to this if you haven't seen it? Um, but yeah, I mean, okay. So, I think this time one of the things that I really honed in on watching it critically, because it's like it's not a movie that I watch critically, right? It's like one of those movies you guys talk about that you just throw on all the time when you want like comfort food kind of movie exactly yeah and i was like i don't i don't I, and i've never just sat there and like analyzed what's working it's never a movie i've done that to until now and i think the biggest thing for me i mean obviously i was a big fan of brandon lee's character because he was gothy and blah 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 and cool and so was i and jokey um not saying i was cool just gothy <laughs> but i loved the villains the villains were phenomenal and I think that they're honestly like maybe what makes this movie work. It what gels the whole thing together. Especially T-Bird and Top Dollar, whose name is never in the film, but I don't know, I love T-Bird and Skank and they they also tie into like this comedic element of the film that I don't know. I, this movie is very funny, actually. David Patrick it has some Kelly, really funny lines. Who the actor who plays T-Bird is one of my favorite actors, like character actors, and he plays a medium-sized role in the original Twin Peaks and in The Return. And oh. he no, and he, the Warriors. He is fucking hilarious. He is so funny every time he's on screen, even if he's not trying to be comedic. His just energy and and his vibe is so like. I don't know. He's a great actor. I, I love him. One of my crew got themselves perished. Tin tin. Somebody stuck his blades and all his major organs in alphabetical <laughs> order. But Michael Wincott, I was laughing. Too, especially. <laughs> Jeff, are your dog still barking? Why are you muted oh. over there? Wow, holy crap. Damn. Get get the wife to take him out. Take him out to the park. <laughs> it's all right. My Google Home made an appearance as a fourth member of the Real Weirdo, so... That's Jeff true. That happened last night. Definitely members by yeah. now. Um, he also got skank. That's him. That's him. But he looked different. He was all painted up like some kind of dead whore. <laughs> um, yeah, I like, I like I like the whole interplay with the villains. I like how it sets it up, which is something that the sequel failed to do. I'll talk about the sequel a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Eric Draven. It's like a whole jolly club with jolly pirate nicknames. 
I like how unorthodox he was, actually. Because I didn't know what to expect, and I thought he was going to be this kind of, like, badass fucking, you know, like, kung fu. Like, I thought they were going to try and use, like, Jeet Kune Do and, like, the his dad's whole, like, martial arts thing to influence the film. And hmm. they didn't really do that. And then I was like, okay, then he's just going to be a superhero with guns or some shit like that. Like, I don't know. But the way that his character was, was cool because I I don't know like do you think he was like that in real life as a normal human being like the way he would speak to people like and play these like kind of like almost Riddler like philosophical games with them before he would kill them like or do you think he was just having that much fun avenging you know I have no idea um I have no idea you know what I'm how much about, of like though? yeah yeah okay. I, his aspect is like really unique in cinema, uh, there's definitely like a Joker vibe there, um, where it's like, yeah, he's he's playing into the the campiness of the character, and like utilizing this dialogue that's like, you heard me rapping at your chamber door, didn't you? Yeah, yeah exactly, like stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know it was like a really troubled production. I know that it wasn't fun to shoot for anybody at all. But oh, <laughs> hey, Jeff. <laughs> Come on in, buddy. You got something to say? Come talk. I mean, I have Come talk many at things us. to say, but you know the joys of owning dogs that just alert to everything. There you go. There they are. Everyone. Yeah. I've tried my best. No, we'll just have to deal with it. It's all right. Um. Yeah. I mean, this movie is. I think is to kind of address a lot of points that were made. I. I think to summarize your your both of your reads of it. I think this movie is made by someone who loves campy action films and wanted to make one. And meanwhile, it's kind of tongue in cheek. And when I was watching it, I kind of was thinking like, I think this is if Lena Wachowski was taking her message of the Matrix, the new Matrix movie seriously, I think this could have been the tone of it. This type of kind of dark, broody but at the same time making fun of dark and broody like the way the character paints himself up and says like little poetry quotes and whatnot it's just so it's so it's so self-aware i think eric draven's character while it is he is meant to be serious and dark at the same time he's saying these lines that kind of make him into a caricature of this type of character this this like powerful i mean if you look at it eric draven's like immortal he's powerful he's like taking bullets neo's like dodging bullets he's supposed to be like pretty close to immortal he's the one like it's like i think it would be funny if lena wachowski actually took this route where she was able to address the fact that aspects of her movie are campy and that would be meta in a kind of a fun way because I feel like every character in this movie is kind of a fun little meta like it, like you got like the guy with all the knives so you got your knife guy and they're in there like swallowing bullets in shot glasses yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. about that I was like they're gonna have to shit those I was like out. dude they're just shitting bullets like that's crazy <laughs> and like they do it like a practiced game so I'm like uh, they do this regularly so like tradition of badassery it's exactly it's pure like ego it's pure macho male then you have like the strung out lady who's just like the mom who's just like no fucking money on the table like <laughs> it's just so it, it it the every character in this film is turned up to 11 their archetype it's like, you, I mean, you got the heroin and then Top Dollar, which I'm, to, to this day, looking up on IMDb is the first day I realized he had a name. Yeah, I, I just called him, I, I always film. called him the boss guy. I was just like, the boss, because that's all they ever call him. But Top Dollar, whatever, uh, he is... He's from the comic book. Michael Wincott, and that's the first time I'm also learning this actor's name. He's one of those snap finger famous guys... You know, where you're just like, ah, it's 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 that guy. You know, like it's you see him. In I've like, seen you in The Crow. You've and seen some him other in things. some weird, like <laughs> eclectic movies. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, he's got like that dark, like chiseled jawline, like with the long hair. This movie's so metal. Like it's it. This movie is so the end of 
uh, it's almost like a pushback to the hair metal j- genre where yeah. it's like they're all kind of glamorous but in a very but goth dark. way yeah well that speaks to the soundtrack because it's it's like the style of the movie and of eric draven really like is is a tribute in a sense to the soundtrack which is heavy on nine inch nails and the cure which did bespoke tracks and awesome tracks by the way two of the best tracks from those bands for this movie which i think is fantastic that's awesome super cool well there was definitely a love here for that with the love with the true seriousness of this film was was i think that aesthetic that that goth aesthetic and lifestyle it's just put into a campy action movie with a i like ernie hudson plays Detective uh, Officer Albright, former Detective Albright. You know, it's like you have like you have the '80s cop figure. You have like mm-hmm. you have all of these tropes. You have the kid. You know, okay. like the- yeah. Can we talk about the kid really quick? Yeah. Let me say one more thing first before we jump to the kid. I, I and I I love that this. I, I never thought about it this before, but I'm a big Cure fan, and this movie is like. You take the tone of the Cure songs that I love and transpose it into a movie. There's no better representation of what the Cure feels like than this movie. That sort of like romantic, gothy, kind of corny aesthetic of the best Cure songs. The forest. It's like distilled. It's perfect. Yeah, definitely very influenced by the Cure. I mean, obviously with the soundtrack and everything. But go yeah. ahead, Alex. So we'll start it yeah. on the kid. Okay, so that is like one when you started talking about tropes and archetypes, I was so happy because I the kid is definitely that's one, right? The kid has to yeah, be one. Yeah, for sure. Like the kid there was something going on in 90s like kid. the 90s where it was I mean 80s, 90s, whatever you want to call it. It was like a young tag along kid to this like here like all I'm thinking about right now is Terminator 2 right this like kind of vagabond like ragtag kid that like i don't know you want to say maybe even in the movie hook if you want to push that with the fucking the lost kids and then the um i was just thinking of another one i can uh indiana jones the the what is it the second round Yeah, yeah yeah right like there was this weird like sidekick trope going on and it made it interesting and it gave life to the city that they built in in the crow um you'd have like street kids like in industrial england right like oliver twist and all these street urchins it's it's kind of like that yeah well sans like like indiana jones i think i think you're talking about like the trope of like the influenceable child like this this kid that can go either way down either path and you can it's like they're at a crossroads and then meeting the hero the super because like i mean uh, Eric Draven is a superhero. I mean, he's a super yeah. and he's a super anti-hero, exactly. essentially. I mean, he's uh, a this, zombie, right? I mean, a little bit, yeah. He's a cool guitar zombie, yeah, yeah. 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 And and so like, she meets the superhero, and now she can be influenced towards I don't know a better path, and that's where the movie kind of falls apart because it has these themes that I feel start out not start out but like kind of intertwine and interweave but never come to any kind of conclusion it's like what is what is eric draven's goal is it just purely a vengeance film like where it's just to kill everyone or is he because when we get to the end i think we can address like you know it seems like he's trying to like convey a theme to top dollar or like a moral message with the way he like wins that fight and it I don't know. It, it's the, yeah, it, go ahead. The the framing device is one of the weakest parts and it's like literally just the framing device cuz you you have the it's they basically the voiceover narration. If the people our love are are stolen from us, the way to have them live on is to never stop loving them. Buildings burn, people die, but real love is forever. You're like you could fucking shove that into like any movie. It like has nothing to do with the crow. It's like he comes back to life because love is forever. Um, in order to kill the people that raped and murdered his wife, and then he does it, and then he gets to go back to the beyond and be with her. 
I don't, I don't know. I agree. Like, I don't know what the, the like overall message is. Love. It's other than like that. Like buildings burn, people die, but real love is forever. But that's not like interesting. Yeah, it <laughs> just, just it's like supposed a to bookend the violence. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of its whole objective is to be like, okay, we're going to say this in the beginning. So that way you understand that this is all about true love. And we love... I mean, that's such a played out trope. Like, we love true love romance vengeance stories. Like, oh, I killed my wife, so I'm going to go, or killed my partner. And in this movie, it's just especially grotesque because you have, like, yeah. these very, I won't the consider them rape. graphic, but just, like, intense flashbacks to, like, her experience being raped and murdered by these fucking clowns. And, uh, it's it's emotionally graphic, if not yeah. like visually. Yeah, yeah it's you implied. Just, you gotta just, uh, and it takes many watches. I think in this movie it takes like a good solid like five watches to understand even why that happened in the first place. Like the whole eviction, like the fact really? that they, yeah, I never got that. I definitely didn't get it when I was young. Maybe as I got older mm. and I watched it, I finally picked it up. But like this whole idea that like they were coming in as like this eviction enforcement squad because she had Shelly had partnered up with like a union of the rest of the people in the apartment building to protest yeah (laughs) I mean it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but it's some but it's then why is it a part you know it's like that's what I'm talking about there's all these weird loose threads in this movie where I don't think that was I think that enforces the point that he's trying, that Alex Proyas, change it, was trying to make a film about those things that he liked in campy action goth movies and then nothing else. So it's like if a story thread goes awry, who cares? Because this is not the, that's not the kind of movie I'm making. And that Yeah, no, he wanted to make a movie where Eric Draven is a badass and like had to fight these guys. That's yeah. and that's like what he focused on. And it's based 100%. on a comic you said. Like I didn't even know that. Yeah, oh, I believe so. Is it a long comic? Yeah, like I I didn't even realize it was based on a comic. Um, this, this is how much I better check I this. Actually, I'm just assuming this from yeah. like prior. No, it says writers James O'Barr, comic book series and comic strip. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sorry if you're a fan of the Crow comic strip and like, dude, do your fucking homework. Like, yeah, you're right. I don't. Um, yeah we don't know it has its own flavor of cool that stands out even in like the 80s 90s hodgepodge of like what cool was and like what subculture was for I'm just gonna say it now white people because they had no subcultures of their own but um, it's like (laughs) I don't know it's just this fucking it's not post-apocalyptic, right? But it's like almost a cyberpunky feel with this goth twist. It's like it gave me like Ninja Turtles vibes. It gave me nice. I mean, it's not in a bad way. It's just like there was something going on in filmmaking at the time that they were making movies for like predominantly young men and young adult men that I feel like had this flavor or this like vibe to them and the crow capitalized on that perfectly but again like i said it stood out in its own way because i think of the the soft like love kind of aspect to it you know even the scene you were talking about with the guitar playing on the roof like that's a different type of cool i guess so that's the coolest cool you could ever cool i mean have you guys ever seen surf ninjas with no. Rob Schneider. Oh God! It's like <laughs> I think so. when I was like a child. Yeah, I think so. It's about like or three ninjas. Some kid. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some exactly. Ninjas. Shit like that. It's like yeah. I don't know. The film industry was just rife with the, this trope of young kids who like did these heroic things by being fucking cool. I don't know. Are so you drawing a comparison between Surf Ninjas, the the little kid characters, and Eric Draven? <laughs> I'm lost. No, no, no. The, the, the kid character in... Oh, the kid yeah, character. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about the vibe of, of coolness and everything like that. And the, the... The 90s cool vibe. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's not like... I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I mean, it definitely feels 90s. Definitely feels 90s cool. Um, 
in a very different way than those other movies, though. It's not like, oh, geez, oh, cowabunga, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever those kids are saying in Surf Ninjas. It's more Kwanzu, like... dude. It's, I don't know. It's it's very dark as well. Like, we can get into Top Dollar um, and, like, the criminals in this movie. And he's, like, he might be one of my favorite criminals in all of cinematic history. <laughs> he's so great. He's fucking hilarious. Dude, the yeah, movie got serious then, too, when you got into the criminals towards the latter half of the movie. That's when it got a lot more serious, in my opinion. We ought to have a moment of silence for dear old Tintin. <laughs> I, Takes a big old line of blow. I mean, he's just one of those characters that is so fragmented from the rest of reality of the film. Like, everything is like this slummy, scuzzy, wet. This movie's so wet all the time. And it, 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 But then you have him, like, always, he's always shot in, like, this decadence. This goth decadence. These long, giant, either the huge table he's sitting at or this, like, decadent bedroom. And he's, like, killing hookers and fucking yeah. eating their <laughs> I eyeballs. think we broke her. <laughs> like, eating their eyeballs, like, fucking hookers and killing them with his, like, weird, voodoo-loving... Sister. Sister, kind of. <laughs> it's just, it's so fragmented, but it's at the same time, it's like the perfect villain for this type of film, where he's so almost above his operation at this point that he becomes actually scary. He becomes like a supervillain almost, where you're like, oh, this guy is participates in voodoo and the anti-crow magic almost because like she learns like attack the crow she like eats enough eyeballs to tell her to attack the thing that's constantly following around the spooky fucking hero mm, she sniffs enough eyeball smoke to see into the beyond yeah and she's like just, ah the crow is the source of his power and yeah, you're like sure sure why not it's just <laughs> But it's not about that. It's everything up to that. I feel like this movie actually kind of falters in the finale. It feels like a little long and drawn out. It feels a little lethal weapony with Albright like, yeah, I'm, shot, in there. I'm shot and I'm laying in the fucking hallway. I don't, it just felt so <laughs> 80s like cop but, movie. But Jeff, it, it ended with a sword fight on a rooftop in the rain. And it... <laughs> <laughs> it was just it, it, that part of the movie actually kind of faltered for me. I think everything up until the final fight was the best part of the movie. Just like the killing of each of members of uh, his crew, Fun Boy, uh, and all these weirdos. And uh, I, we, I love. We didn't talk about. We talked about everybody. We talked about Tintin a little bit. I mean, gotta love an, a knife character. Just always so much more sinister than they need to be. A knife-wielding character in any movie is always like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to get up in there. And I'm going to knife it. And you know why knives are cool? Like, I always got to mention that knives are more personal. Yeah. It's always just this, Got his like, black leather outfit yeah, and everything. He's just such yeah. a funny character. And then, so so, but he gets, Yeah, he gets taken out right away. But then I love the dumb guy. What's his name? Um, Skank. Skank. Is Skank. He's the one Skank that ends up is fucking the longest, is amazing. Right? He ends what? up surviving the longest, doesn't he? Yeah, he's the last yeah. one because he's like a coward. And he just like runs yeah. away, like bleeding into there. And they all like, oh, well, it's like a rat. He almost reminds me of like Wormtail from Harry Potter yeah. or like Gollum or something. He's just like, eh, master, I'm hurting. He ends up at like me. the dinner at the very end. I'm not Skank. Skank's dead. The Skank over there. Oh, man, it's so great. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, the best scene in the movie has to be uh, the... The, the table scene with all like him like they all shoot the action him. scene yeah yeah like they all shoot him and then he comes back and takes them all out I mean that's just the best scene in the movie mm. that is the scene that has the most of uh, throwing people through windows which I always love in a movie there's a lot of that in this film a lot of sugar glass exactly a lot of sugar glass um, I think that's also the scene where when they were shooting it that Brandon Lee got killed no um it was in that no it wasn't the, that one the scene no. where they're invading the apartment yeah he was killed oh. and, yeah that's a common misconception i used boy. to believe that too michael massey's yeah, character uh which yeah. is it's yeah, crazy skank. because thank god they like f 
filmed a lot of the story before they filmed that scene because if they wanted to film it just chronologically that would have been like one of the first scenes they filmed right i don't know about thank god okay i'm sorry bruce lee i'm sorry brandon lee I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> Thank God we got this movie before we think we squeezed enough scenes out of him before he got shot. Hey, we got we got sequels. We're good. We're good. We're oh. Yeah, they have some fantastic sequels. We'll get to those later. His no, memory it was the lives apartments. On. It was the apartment scene where he like executes okay. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, and it's funny that we just kind of had a similar thing with the whole Alec Baldwin Rust incident. Yeah, I don't know how deep we need to get into that. Yeah, but it's just bad prop master, you know? <laughs> yeah, bad prop master. Live firearm. Well, it's just not it was live. And for this, it was just like, you know, cartridge got stuck from a previous round, and then they put a non-blank round in that was full powder, mm-hmm. and it just ejected that out of the barrel. Yeah, rip in peace, Brandon Lee. He could have been something, man, for yeah. sure. And he is something, you know, still. Yeah, he has acting chops. Yeah. Pretty enduring legacy, and I mean, kids everywhere. There was some the talk United about States. not even releasing this picture, but um, I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. Yeah, I think it's a really good tribute to him. But you're talking about favorite scenes, so I'm curious, Alex, you got some favorite scenes for this one? Yeah, I think that I think I mentioned earlier one of the scenes I really liked, and now I can't even think of it. But I like the scene where. I don't know what it is, but John Polito as a character actor as well. He was in quite a bit of, of movies when um, Tintin goes to like destroy a shop and you meet like the crow for the first time. I liked that. All the scenes with Top Dollar were cool. That guy was fucking awesome. And of, and of course, David Patrick Kelly. I think the scene where he kills him in the car is one of my favorite scenes. Like... Because him and David Patrick Kelly, T-Bird, are like kind of going back and forth in that scene. And then you see like when he finally is like, okay, this guy's going to kill me. You see like the panic yeah, set in and that everything. that realization yeah. moment. <laughs> and that, that, that was great. the devil stood and felt how awful goodness is. <laughs> so many interesting yeah. lines in this movie. And the writing is so interesting as well. It's a lot of poetry. There's a lot of like snippets of poetry in this movie. I don't know. It feels... It feels goth to its core because that's kind of like part of the goth culture is like those little snippets of poems that you throw in her lacy. It kind of speaks that language almost in, in a way that I don't find is insulting or trying to be like demeaning, but in a way that's almost loving to that culture. No, I love the dialogue. Housed in a very goofy action movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm going through like going through the uh just like lines in this movie like when he one of my favorite scenes is when he kills uh oh god what's his name the junkie guy what's the junkie guy's name fun Fun boy Boy, yeah fun boy um that whole scene not only just like i don't know the the when he does his entrance as the crow the crow comes in he's being jokey and he's like this weird jester kind of character and um there's also a really touching scene that goes from that like after he kills fun boy with the heroin needles where he's like talking to the mom the kid's mom and he's like mother is the name for god on the lips and hearts of all children do you understand morphine is bad for you your daughter is out there on the streets waiting for you and that's still like a really impactful line and it's like him showing her and she just gets it i don't know well it also helps that he like fucking squeezes heroin out of her veins which i think was like (laughs) a really funny kind of superhero moment and that's what i love in this movie is like the supernatural aspect is intangible to the rest of the plot of the movie like you have here an immortal superhero but beyond just being invulnerable he doesn't do many he's just kind of runs on rooftops and plays guitar like his immortality is his superpower just so when you do see him do like cool little things outside of that that reminds you oh this person is beyond a normal human like squeezing heroin out of someone's veins then it's like oh yeah that's right you're dealing with at least young me felt like, oh, you're dealing with a badass right now. You're dealing with somebody who is 
who is beyond the normal hero. And I don't know, I think that's to the movie's credit, is the way that, that, that Eric Draven is written into the film. It is an oddly grounded kind of superhero, which is weird to say because it is the crow, but it's not like he's like, I don't know, flying around the earth to punch a giant laser or something. No, he doesn't have laser vision, he doesn't have x-ray vision, like he can't die because he's already dead. So technically, like Alex said, he's just a zombie. So his only power is like, I don't know, just edginess. Just like, <laughs> the just... power of edginess. The power of edginess and revenge. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cool anti-hero <laughs> ethos, though. Like that's definitely what they're going with there, right? Like he's he was in a rock band before. Like they were up and coming, and like people were gonna know about him, and it's such a tragedy. And yeah, I don't know. He fucking shreds Hot it, rain dude. All the time. And he. Hot rain all the time. <laughs> I love like when they have to write music for small movies like this because they can't like they don't have the money. They should just had the Cure do a a song. So like every one of like his band's songs is so terrible because it's like something that was like spliced together in an editing room, and it's just all the time. It's just (laughs) (laughs) it's like like people who don't care. House voice is great. They don't care about being lyricists or being like musicians or anything like that. And they're like, okay, we got to write these fucking song lyrics for this fictional band in this movie we're writing. What's the name of their band? What was it again? Oh, fuck if I know. It's Um, something ridiculous. It's like Clowns, Sad Clown Summer or something. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's not that. Clown Baby. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But like, I mean, it's just. I mean, we're talking about like a movie for a while, but it's such a straightforward film too, which I like. It's like you, you don't, there's no long build up. It's like he dies, he comes back, he has his like super duper fucking hero scene where he becomes the crow, and then it's like death. Oh yeah, it's they like, play the music and he puts the makeup on, yeah, and you're like, yes, it's like death, 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 <laughs> brood scene, brood scene death death brood scene final fight and it's just like done okay cool we're in and out mixed with a lot of snappy funny dialogue yeah that's and and all the death has that stuff and then you get to scenes like there's one scene that i you genuinely feel bad for eric because like it's the scene where uh he's he's meeting up with the cop in his apartment and uh he does, you know, he's talking to him. And all the big, it's a big exposition scene, and then he's leaving, and he's like, "Are you gonna disappear again out the window?" And he's like, "I think I'd use your front door," and you're supposed to be like, "Oh, he doesn't even like want to be a zombie superhero." <laughs> like it's just so, it's such a weird mix of emotions because you feel bad for him because Brendan Lee's a good actor, and so it's an a, interesting performance. Yeah, so it just feels like there was. So, so much more to this character that was trying to escape but i also think this movie has kind of wonky editing at times oh but yeah, definitely I mean, an epilepsy be... warning for the beginning of the film i think that could be just also attributed to your guys's original point that a lot of stuff in this movie is homemade like they did a lot of movie magic lots of miniatures matte paintings uh, uh perspective camera tricks like they kind of used every camera trick in the book to make scenes look bigger wider longer it was it was definitely a film i think that required a lot of like fudging in the editing room where was the epilepsy stuff alex where where do you see that at the, at the very beginning for sure was where was okay. where i saw it the most um i'm trying to think like when he's having the flashbacks when he's like becoming the crow exactly like and like when he first like comes back to the apartment in the aftermath of it all and he's like changing and the uh i don't know there there was like what was the name of the club or like the the venue in the the city that they would always like go to and it was like that's where his band played and like the criminals hung out at and the bar that like yeah mom worked at and everything fuck oh i have no idea oh my god i feel like i i should know this on a trivia night to win a pint (laughs) it's like a it's like a skeezy bar that like they all hung out in see if i can find it the crow club that does not show me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's just like a fan just a club. bunch of places called the crow club yeah anyway yeah. um 
I also want to give mention to uh, Ernie Hudson in this film. I think he's a really funny character sure. and a really touching one as well. He's like, he lends, he's just like the most realistic character in in and amongst these like bunch of fucking wackos. He's just like a guy, he's a cop, he like tries to do the right thing, but gets busted down. He's divorced. I like the scene kids, where he's drinking dogs. a beer. Yeah, he buys street kids hot dogs. I like how, I, li- I like when he is in his apartment uh, drinking beer in his underwear and he still has his police hat on. I thought that was hilarious. But he's just 80s cop. That's the thing is he's just <laughs> like that. That's why he's so fun and like likable. It's like he's just, he's 80s cop. He's like, I'm 80s cop and I've been through 80s cop shit and I'm divorced and I drink and now it's just rough for me and I've busted down to beat cop and now I just, and he's got, you got like the shitty white cop who's like dicking on him all the time and it's just Mr. like Scarface yeah and it's just, you just <laughs> and it's like it's one of those characters that is just negative for no reason there's we have no build up <laughs> we have no such hist- a movie asshole we have no history it's just like hey audience this guy sucks ass and then you just kind of you have that character to like release your tension on the whole movie. It's like, oh, here's this guy who's gonna come in and be like, whatever you say, no. Whatever you think, no. Whatever your opinions are, they're wrong. You're a beat cop. Fuck out of here. And that's his. You think role. we can like Seriously. make a universe, an extended universe here, where this is Ernie Hudson after the events of Ghostbusters? Oh God! Maybe he's just like written <laughs> became like a detective in like some weird yeah, they shit all went ass off city. to do their own thing, and he's just like I mean, damn, he like he went got hardcore. married, got divorced. He he married some lady who was like trying to make the streets better, but then she because she isn't she the female cop that he talks to? No, no, we we never see her. But I like this. Maybe she gets killed, and Ernie Hudson becomes the next crow. Oh, holy shit! Yeah. Beat cop crow, 80s cop crow. He puts be. on the makeup. Can you imagine Ernie Hudson in that makeup? <laughs> Ernie Hudson. Fuck yeah. Jesus. Especially now, now that he's like. Do we need like an eighth crow sequel though? No, I think that's they like, should never. They should have <laughs> never done any of them. I think that's like a good segue to something that's a I good did segue. Wanna, wanted to talk about is. You know they're going to bring one back. For a good movie, for like a good cult movie. If it does kind of take off later, sometimes it does get subjected to just the dead horse syndrome, where you're just like, it just every little ounce of whatever it could have had is just drained out of it. And when we have, I mean, Crow 2, because Jesse, you watched a few of the sequels, right? I have seen all of the sequels. I The only one that's worth even a, uh, an, an, a, like a percentage of a watch is the second one. Yeah. After that, it's all complete trash. The second one I, I rewatched recently, right after I watched this one, because I couldn't remember it. I remembered it being like kind of weird and interesting, even if it wasn't good, and it has Iggy Pop in it, and I, I love Iggy Pop. And I stand by this. It's, it's a weird one, because it does exactly what you think it's going to do as a sequel. It's the same movie, but worse. Um... The, the the lead guy is just completely void of charisma. And the lines that they have him say make no sense. They try to have him do the like jokey kind of Brandon Lee thing, but the dialogue is terrible and the performance is bad and it's just strange. It's strange to watch. But it has the same structure of like, okay, these guys killed this guy and his son. It's his son this time. And he's, he gets, comes back and gets revenge. And it's like, he has to hunt down the four guys. And then there's like a big boss guy. And it doesn't set up these characters as having like the sort of relationship. You don't get that bar scene that you get in the original Crow where they swallow bullets. And you see some kind of like camaraderie with these guys. But in saying that, the movie is like hyper stylized to the point of like everything is just so strange looking it's a wash and all these neons and so much smoke and the production design like i don't know if it's because they didn't have money they're just making it cheaply but i think it was like a really interesting production design and i don't know iggy pop is like amazing (laughs) and there's just something like really compelling about it even though it's terrible 
And I, I don't know. It's it's hard to put my finger on. Yeah, I mean, I thought. Have you seen the second one, Alex? No, I have not. You haven't. You haven't seen any of the sequels. No, I. It's worth watching just for Iggy Pop, man. He was gonna be Fun Boy in the first movie, but like couldn't due to scheduling conflicts or whatever. So that's why he did the second one. Oh, he's great. He's really great in that movie. I mean, it has kind of the more like high school drama. You know, it's like a high school kid who gets. No, you're thinking of a different one. Really? That's not the yeah, second one? Yeah, it's not that one. Yeah. What's no. that one I'm thinking of? Either the third or the fourth. I don't remember. No, it can't be yeah, the third. Yeah, no. It's like a French guy and his son gets killed and he gets killed. <sighs> it, oh, wow. Man. It's like a genuine sequel. Um, you see adult Sarah. Adult Sarah's in the movie and she like like follows a crow to to where he's rebirthed into his crow magic it's 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 ridiculous that is wild i thought that was the second one i was sure no oh, no fuck. The, so you know maybe maybe you need to go watch them all jeff I think report I, back maybe <laughs> yeah but i mean this, have is a just, day. this is just one of those movies that like i think you either like it for what what fun it can give or you think it's like a broody edgelord movie and it's always kind of put in that category of like people who like the crow or like cringy and weird yeah it's i think it's a solid movie um in any event it definitely has like some narrative problems and if you're gonna like talk about what the movie's about it sort of like bookends it with that weirdness but i don't know great performances i love the dialogue and the characters I mean, like I said before, though, if there's problems with this movie, I don't care. I don't care what they are. It's it's that kind of movie for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I can I can like see how it is like that for a lot of people. Probably it has that feeling when you and an aura when you watch it for the first time. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say about it, but uh. <laughs> You're going to be Brandon Lee for Halloween this year. Oh, right? yeah, exactly. But I'm just going to be Brandon Lee. I'm not even going to be the crow. Just not, not the crow. <laughs> just so you're just going to be like a skeleton costume. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you're just going to get thin and sexy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the crow, man, it's 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 a straightforward movie that I think we all love. Oh, but, I remember uh, what I was going to say. Sorry. There he is. There he is. We're back. Here we go. Just shaking off the rust. This movie has the potential to, like, get tapped again to make a huge comeback and like to just like make a huge like you go through the reboot section on wikipedia it's five six paragraphs long you know and it going back all the way to 2008 people were like oh i'm gonna plan to write and direct like reinventions reboots so many different actors have been like said that they were going to be the ones that they were going to do it. Ridley Scott said he was going to do it. And I don't know, like Tom Hiddleston was in talks to play Eric. At one point, Luke Wilson was as well. Oh my God. Luke Wilson himself wisely decided I should not do this. Well, I I, I don't think that, I don't think I'm the right person to do that. Good job, Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson and like that face paint would have been also like, amazing it's just like a picture to have he's like i decided to do uh, idiocracy (laughs) instead which would which is a great choice yeah oh just leave it alone leave this one alone let it be let it let it especially this one though norman like especially this as as you know a tribute to brandon lee just don't do it again just don't do it let it it's fine it's fine the way it is fuck off go make something new bad Bad, bad, bad Hollywood. <laughs> so many people. God. And, and Norman Reedus would have made a funny crow. Oh my Jason God. Who would be your dream? Like, if we had, oh Jesus Lord. Tom no, Hardy. Get, get somebody who can act. Uh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> what the fuck? I like Tom Hardy, but no. Nicholas Holt. What if we made like, what if we crow. did an old crow? We would be like get Clint Eastwood to be the crow. I'd watch that. Nicholas Cage. The, the ripe old age of 92. Nicholas Cage is any superhero I'm in. Get him as Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Hopkins. That would, that, Anthony Hopkins is an old crow. But have him just <laughs> like fucking that. shredding on a guitar. He He's like, he was in a rock band 60 years ago. Dude, <laughs> Jack Black could do it if you wanted to go in Jack just Black, a totally if you, oh different my God. direction. 
No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, he's the happiest crow ever. Exactly. Or you just play into the broodiness and he's, just have it be Jack Black. The, it's called just, The Canary. A really strange performance. I guess Danny Trejo was in the fourth one. and Was he? Yeah. Oh, he's in anything if they pay him. He would be an interesting you, We one. could get Danny Trejo to be on this podcast if we paid him. Oh, legitimately. yeah. He has, no, he has actually could. He has pop-up restaurants and shit in L.A. all the time. No, like, yeah. uh, I saw Danny Trejo do a advertisement. So back, like, in, like, the late, like, mid-2000s, like, 2011, 2012, if, like, for CSGO, when you would have, like, all your skins for your guns and your weapons, you people would do showcases on YouTube where you would show all of, like, your best, highest, most expensive skins and rarest skins. And this, like super rich 16 year old kid paid Danny Trejo to like do his showcase for him so like he would film like the showcase like the kid would film like the knives flipping and the guns and all the skins and he'd be like check out this uh oh this uh red AK-47 red line skin flawless and he's like he's like (laughs) advertising this kid's like showcase and it's like it's like it has like when I watched it, it had like a thousand views. It was just something that got passed <laughs> around on like early Discord. It's like he'll just do whatever. Maybe that's how we get the real weirdos off the ground. We get a we get some money together and get a Danny Trejo episode. And then we put like tell, ask him to pick a movie. We'll put like real weirdos and then like in caps and parentheses with Danny Trejo. Exclamation like, point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Symbol. <laughs> um, we need. Yeah, I would like, but it's only like. A fucking paid phone-in recording that he did on like Cameo. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I like the movie Desperado. I was in the sequel. <laughs> Real weirdos for the win. Uh, who would who would be if you could get like one, one movie boy or girl to be on this podcast? Who would you choose? Like for real, like anyone? Yeah, for real. Like I could just make a phone call, and they'd be on the next episode. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. I knew it. <laughs> Solid choice. Huh. What about you, Alex? Hmm. I'll have to think. I have to think more about that. Like, because I'm trying no, to go snap, for like. Snap. 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 Dude, am I trying to. Oh, fuck. 10 seconds. Okay. That's plenty of time. Plenty of time. <laughs> I'm going to go David Lynch. Ask him to pick a movie to see what he does. Uh, well, I really movies. like um, <laughs> the type of movies that are my favorite are the movies that have. Tell us about the weather in L.A. today, David. Dude, fuck it. I'd go with. Pick a number. I'd go with Werner Herzog. Oh, just to, that's an interesting one, actually, because the ridiculously interesting voice on our podcast. <laughs> I won't even try to do an impression of him. It's funny you say that, Alex. One of the movies I have lined up for you and me to do is a Herzog movie. And you'll understand why when we get to it. Okay. We'll do that after Gaspar Noe. <laughs> but I think we've run out here. I think we're uh, we're on the tail end here. I think we've gone through The Crow, talked about why we like it, talked about why we don't care, or why I don't care if there are flaws in it. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed it as well, especially Alex, since you hadn't seen it like basically ever, which is crazy yeah it's one of the ones i don't know it's it's a specter of a movie that's for sure but we're gonna get to something that is sort of a flip next week right because your guy you guys are gonna have me watch gone in 60 seconds oh which yeah think of it I've as never like seen. a continuation of film culture cool just early 2000s maybe like think it's like it 2008 a, right think it was a prequel to mandy like why he went out in the forest and lived <laughs> with this chick memphis Rains. okay i will i will i will think about that i will have that as my cinematic universe not for 2008 this film. though it's like 99 or 2000 it. that it came out gone in 60 seconds yeah. no i looked at it the other day can't be 2008 gone in i was 60 no i was yeah. 18 yeah we were no like way. well into high school by the i was like 12 oh uh, so you're right 2000 you're 2000 yeah Yep. What was I thinking of? There's some movie that looked the same. It's like called like Next. Was that it? I have uh, no idea. I don't know. I mean, Nicolas Cage has only been in a few films, so I could <laughs> narrow this down quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Next from 2007. 
It look at this movie, dude. Look at this. It has the poster art of that era. It's just blue and like orange and teal, basically. Yeah, that was the that was the color scheme. Every poster was orange and teal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, real weirdos, we're back, baby. We are back. Next week we'll be doing Gone in sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. Until then, I'm happy we're back. We love you. Fucking one hundred subs and counting. To the moon. To the moon, bitches. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye. Later, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Jeff needs a nap. (laughs) Flip me off. Now our podcast is done. And we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft. Jesse, Alex, and Jeff will be back real soon. The real weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long.